In Exodus 23, 9, God says, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. It's clear from reading scripture that God desires his people to be compassionate, kind, and understanding towards those who come to another country seeking safety or greater economic opportunity for themselves and their families. But what if an immigrant comes to a country illegally? Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 instruct all people to follow the laws of a nation. Therefore, breaking a country's immigration laws is clearly understood to be a sin. But what if a prosperous nation like the U.S. doesn't have compassionate or reasonable immigration laws? Are we therefore justified in supporting those who break the law because of the Bible's command for us to show compassion, justice, and mercy to the alien and foreigner? How are we to respond as Christians to illegal immigrants on an individual level? Is loving, showing compassion, and having mercy on them the same as promoting, enabling, or excusing illegal immigration? And what if we could build a wall to keep the Canadians out? Alright, welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast where we talk about the Bible and beards and everything else in between. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by my co-host Gabe, who usually is bearded, but today is, uh, I don't know, I don't even know the term for it. What, what is the term? Uh, chin naked, uh, chin yeah. exposed. Yeah, just chin just, vulnerable. It's completely barren. Yeah, yeah. Your follicles. Isn't there a story in the Bible where they they these these soldiers went out and were defeated in battle, and they had to come back and they, they, their beards had been shaven, and they had to wait outside the city until their beards grew back or something like that? That's how it, I feel. It, yeah, I'm trying to remember which story that is. It's the the backs of their uh, uh, their their like pants or their garment or their tunic had been cut off too. So nice. Nice. Yeah, so their butt cheeks were showing and their beard were shaved. So I think there's a connection between the two. I think what the Bible is telling us is that with a man and he doesn't have a beard, it's about the same as just walking around with a hole in your pants. Yeah. Yeah, I love that that's in ancient times. It's like, all right, we're going to expose your butt cheeks and we're going to shave your beard off. <laughs> it sounds like something straight out of a Monty Python movie. Yeah, there's some stories in the Bible that I read and I'm like, what in the world? Like, what is that about? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I was actually listening to Michael Heiser talk about um, the story in, I think it's first Kings chapter two of Elisha and the she bears. You remember the story? Mm-hmm. How he comes, he comes into the village and all these young men are mocking him and calling mm-hmm. him baldy. And so he calls two she bears out of the woods and it eats them all. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, man, that's such a weird story. And I always kind of just laughed at it. And then I listened to Dr. Michael Heiser actually give like a really reasonable hmm. description of why that story is actually means something. So hmm. have you heard him talk about that? No, I haven't. You have to send it to me. Yeah, it was really it was super interesting. And his whole phrase I thought was super, really, really helpful. He goes, hey, if it's in the Old Testament and it's weird, it's probably important. Hmm. And I was like, ah. So I bet the whole story of the guys with their beards getting plucked out and their butt cheeks getting exposed, I bet that's because it's so weird to us. I bet it's probably like some huge significance. <laughs> yeah. 
that was just completely overheads. But yeah. No, yeah, my students, they, they shaved my beard off. Um, they raised $2,077 for Mercy Ships. Wow. Just, I mean, Dude, them just awesome. like cleaning out their ashtrays and bringing in, you know, spare change and five bucks here. You know, just random things. These kids, you know, work part time and stuff. So it was yeah. a big effort on their part. But they, yeah, uh, they did a good job. And I told them that they can shave my beard any way they want. Um, and I'll, I'll wear it that way for a few days. And, and they did that. They took me up on it and they gave me what they called the Ho Chi Minh. And, uh, some of, some of the ideas they had were pretty interesting. Like one was a, a beard mullet where they actually took my, um, my beard hair and somehow fastened it to the back of my head, uh, to give me a beard hair mullet. I don't, I don't know practically how that would have played out, but that was one of the options that they mm. went with. But they voted for the the Ho Chi Minh, which I don't know. I think I sent you the picture, but there. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's. Yeah. How long did you leave it that way? About three days. Yeah, I, I tried to. Wow. To be a professional for three days having did, the Ho Chi Minh. Did you have to uh, do any church duties while you had no. the Ho Chi Minh? Okay, that's good. No, I didn't. I didn't because. Can you imagine you showed up and you're like, "All right, open your Bibles." What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Or like a visitor shows up and you're like, hey. <laughs> you're like uh, yeah, I, I usually don't look like this, but uh, I can explain. Do a session of premarital counseling <laughs> with the Ho Chi Minh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, yeah. That's awesome, man. I bet you're real proud of your students for that. That's pretty cool. That's, I am, that's, I am. that's impressive for uh, a high school class to raise that much money. Yeah, it is. It is. They did a good job. I am proud of them. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So what's on well, the docket today? Well, topic. speaking of mercy ships and transit and travel and on the boats, on the planes, they're coming to America. Who sings that? It's uh, Neil Diamond, my friend. Oh, you should let him. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've got a pretty good Neil Diamond impersonation. Yeah, you actually, you probably do. Actually. On the boats, on the planes, they're coming to America. And some of us don't want them to come to America. <laughs> yeah, talking about immigration today. And as you and I were talking about before we recorded this, it tends to be, for some, an emotionally charged issue. And some of us, I think look first to our favorite political persuasion to answer how we're supposed to feel about these things and what we're supposed to think about these things. And I think sometimes we forget the Bible actually has something to say about it. So, Hey, why do you think it's such an emotionally charged issue? Why don't we start there? Ooh, that is because I think we, we by default, uh, we go into self-preservation mode and also Man, the the twenty four hour news cycle is so dangerous to the fabric of America. You know, it's it is the mouthpiece of political parties in the United States. So people they will isolate themselves on one particular channel or something, and they'll watch hours upon hours of news every day, and get hyped up and 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 get pitted against the other side on this issue. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we resort to these little. Uh, I don't need these little catchphrases and these sound bites and stuff. And, and we reduce such a complex issue as this is down to just a, you know, a single sound bite or something. And yeah, and yeah, it, it can be, but I, I, I wonder if that's kind of part of the game though. Like, you know, these political parties, so. they need that. They, they, mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's so I, I don't don't get me wrong. I don't I don't think either political party really wants to effectively fix this problem. Um, I think because no, if you fix the problem, then you can't use it to run for office anymore. Right. Yeah, I think it's. You know what I'm saying? Like if if, right. if I don't if I don't have that in my uh, tool belt to give a stump speech on, mm. then I'm going to fix it. Right. Then, um, yeah, I, I can't. I'm not going to be as persuasive getting people to vote for me. Right. Yeah. I, so I don't know. It's just, you know, it becomes cannon fodder for, for people who are on opposing sides and, and want to, um, you know, give a reason as to why you can't have a meaningful conversation. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, people within the Christian movement in the United States of America are divided on this issue as well and are just as vitriolic on this issue as well towards each other. Yeah, and and I wonder. Um, we actually, I, I was looking at our uh, our downloads uh, yesterday. We have quite a bit of listeners from Canada and from um, Europe and from other parts of the world. Mm. And um, you know, I I uh, I've chatted with some folks from um, other European countries, and I think one of the things that I've talked with some of my friends that live in the UK or other places is. Um, you know, some of these issues are present there in terms of immigrants, but mainly like refugees and things coming in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think there are some of these issues that apply in those nations, but I think here in the U.S. it, it takes on a completely uh, different set of complexities. Mm-hmm. I think because our history is one to where we're such a young country and in one sense we're all immigrants Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's one side that says, Hey, we're all immigrants. Anyone should be allowed to come in however they come in. And then another side says, no, that's crazy talk. We have to have laws. We have to have rules. It's wise to lock your door at night, right? Not just anybody can come in. And so I, I guess I say that just to provide a bit of context for our listeners from other parts of the world to just say, um, you know, I, I hope some of these concepts that we're talking about just biblically apply to any nation, any any person from, you know, any place that's listening. But a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, I think, would apply specifically to the context where most of our listeners are at. And that's in the, here in the U.S. where, mm-hmm. um, you know, just for a bit of context, uh, the the biggest challenge that comes from immigration is from our, our neighbors to the south of us. And that is um, Mexico. In terms of, I don't know the stats. I probably should look up the stats, but um, there's there's quite a bit of immigrants that come through the southern border illegally. So they're not, you know, going through the right channels to do it. They're, you know, at great danger to themselves most of the time. Great danger to their families. They're coming through um, in a way that is is, uh, you know, basically sneaking across. Um, and it, it sounds like a really, you know, wow, that's super dangerous. Like who, who would do that? Well, you know, we can look up numbers just to see, but I mean, it's thousands upon thousands upon thousands every single year where that happens. And, um, you know, I think we're a lot of Americans, it, it becomes this thing of, you know, people come over here and they have access to all the same perks that we have in terms of healthcare in terms of, um, you know, schooling and education for their kids and in terms of even jobs. And so it, 
I think for some people who um, are American citizens, there's this like resentment that if we're just being honest, I'm just going to say it and, and I'm going to qualify it. I think that resentment can very quickly turn into racism. Mm-hmm. But then I want to qualify this. But then the other side, I think of this argument, jumps on the bandwagon and says, if you want to protect the borders, then automatically you're racist. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Right. That's become like a talking point. Um, yeah, because there's, you know, there's Mexican border agents who right. are guarding the U.S. border from Mexicans crossing into the U.S. So this is a complex issue. And I think sometimes we look to our political party or we look to kind of the surrounding voices instead of looking to the Bible first for answers for how to feel about this. And this may be surprising to some folks, but the Bible actually says a lot about this issue. And um, the word the Bible uses in the Old Testament is the word sojourner. Other translations say stranger, immigrant, alien, but there are tons of verses in the Old Testament. I'm, I just have a p- couple pulled up on my screen. Leviticus 19 talks about a stranger sojourning with you. You shall not do him wrong. You should treat him as the native among you. you. shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Exodus 22, 21, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Zechariah 7, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner. And then Leviticus 23 talks about... When you reap the harvest of the land, leave the uh, f- the edges of the field for the sojourner and for the poor. And so this word picture of a sojourner is, is literally someone that is kind of passing through a land. They don't really belong there. They're a stranger. They're an immigrant. And all through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament church, God goes to great lengths to command his people to take care of, to show mercy towards, to be kind to, to be generous towards basically immigrants. So here's the million-dollar question. Why does the God of Israel go to such great lengths to command his people to show kindness and to take care of immigrants? Well, I think it's reciprocal. Like A lot of times he gives the, the qualifier because you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Um, remember how you were treated when you were in, in bondage and in slavery. And, you know, that memory is to invoke mercy and kindness and compassion towards people who are sojourning in your land. Hmm. So, I, and, and also, I mean, even a bigger picture than that is that he sees humanity as being made in his image and image bearers. And he wants Israel to be, uh, you know, uh, respectful of this idea that, Man was made in the image of God, and doesn't matter the race, ethnicity, nationality, where their loyalties lie. They, were, I mean, they are the closest thing on this side of the kingdom to seeing the image of God, to seeing the face of God. So, in other words, like this whole idea of being in the family of God and in the kingdom of God, we see human beings differently. We don't see them predominantly as Mexican, American, Canadian, Swedish. We see them as no, you're a human being made in the image and likeness of God regardless yeah. of the language you speak or anything like that. Yeah, you may identify this as those things, but I see you for how you've been made. I see you for what you really are, and that is an image bearer of my creator. Right. Yeah. Now, we if God has given us commands, chances are he's given us commands because uh, 
our natural tendency is to violate commands, right? <laughs> God says, don't bear false witness because in our fallen nature, we have a tendency to be dishonest, right? So God has given us these commands probably because this is not something that comes naturally for us as humans. Like we want to love and show kindness and mercy and do life with people who look like us and talk like us and have the same skin color as us. And we have a common national heritage. It's harder for us to do that to people who don't share those things in common. Would you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's unfamiliar and yeah, it stretches us for sure. It's like by default, we as, we as humans, uh, we want to, we want to, get with our tribe, right? And then we want to isolate ourselves from other tribes that are different than us. Um, that's just that's just kind of our human nature. Yeah. So we're told, show kindness, show mercy, be compassionate, be kind, be loving towards all people. So does that mean, here's, here's the rub, Gabe. Here's where it gets complicated. You ready? Yep. So what about when someone comes to our country illegally, or any country, let's not just say America, any country, illegally, we're supposed to be compassionate, kind, and loving towards them. But does that mean we have to be pro-immigration no matter how they get into that country just because we're called to show mercy and kindness to them? Yeah, and that is a, that is a very tricky issue and one that I'm very conflicted over. And I think we're supposed to be conflicted over it. Because, yeah. you know, on one hand, the Bible says, you know, slaves, stay loyal to your masters, return to your masters, you know, or or like Romans 13, obey the laws of the land kind of thing. And, it, you know, Paul urges a slave to go back to his slave master. And, you know, there's things like that. It's like, you know, I, I see that if, if you're coming here illegally, you're doing so predicated on, I mean, you are by definition now, according to the laws of this land, a criminal. Mm-hmm. And while I, I don't, that doesn't remove the idea that you're made in the image of God, it does, it does complicate things just a little bit in, in the sense that um, suddenly um, our relationship is, is uh, hindered by the fact that now um, if, if I harbor you, if I, if I give you, uh, you know, room and board, now I am, I am aiding you in your crime. And it's, it's yeah. tough. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a very and I imagine the Christians of the 4th century would have been very conflicted over this issue as well as sure. You know, it, living in living in the Roman Empire, I mean, you would have been very, you know, I don't I don't first and foremost identify as a Roman, but I see barbarian tribes or or like, you know, the Visigoths coming in and and uh I don't know where they fit in. You know, they're made in the image of my creator. Granted, they would have been a little bit more violent than some of these immigrants that are coming in now. Right. Um but yeah, that's it's an awkward it's an awkward dynamic that we have. Yeah, so Romans thirteen is probably our uh, go to proof text that tells us that as Christians we are expected to obey the laws of the government. And the only exception to that, really, in Christian ethics, is when the law of the government forces us to disobey a command of God. So in Acts five, the apostles were told not to preach the gospel. But Jesus had told them to preach the gospel, so they said we've got to obey God rather than man. But illegal immigration is kind of not as clear-cut as that, right? I illegal immigration is someone consciously and clearly choosing to break the law of a government. 
And one could say, well, they're choosing to do that because they're in situations of abject poverty. They're in situations where they're endangered for their life. And so they're justified in breaking that law to get to safety in another nation. Um, which I think in, in those instances, you might have things like amnesty laws or refugee laws or something like that. But, you know, regardless, the fact stands that someone choosing to come into a country illegally smuggling past the border, all that is the breaking of a government's law. And when we aid, we support, we enable, we encourage someone to do that, you know, the big rub is, is that a violation of the word of God? Is that us breaking the law as well if we are supporting, enabling, encourage someone who has done that? Do you think that's kind of where it breaks down to and where our, our kind of ethical dilemma as Christians is? Yeah, there's definitely one component of it. Um, you know, I, I don't want to actively encourage people to come here illegally Um you see, that's it's just so awkward because, and it and it's we we have been so richly blessed as a nation and have so much wealth and economic prosperity that um, you know basically any any country to the south of us, you know, you, you go outside the United States of America and people, it it, it really speaks to the, the the idea that America is still um, one of the greatest nations on earth, um, really in human history. In terms of economic opportunity, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's all because it was built upon just laws. Um, the idea, you know, that humans should have an equal opportunity at justice and, um, you know, and, and freedom of um, movement within the country, uh, freedom of of religion. God has blessed our nation because our nation. Um, by and large, has been a just nation. There has been moments punctuated with great injustice, obviously. But um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily encourage someone to come here illegally. I think. I think I would maybe do the opposite and figure but out. But you how, can understand why somebody would want to come from oh, a place yeah. that was destitute, that was poor, that was impoverished. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and I, I don't know that I would. That's the thing. Is like I don't know that I would do different. Like if I, if, if I you had, were in that situation and you had children who couldn't eat. <laughs> and right, they realized right. were endangered. Yeah. Or or if I mean they were being like rounded up and sold into like sex slavery or something like that, you know, and I'd be like, yeah. uh, let's get to it. Let's get you to safety. I don't care about me. Let's get you to safety. And that's kind of the crisis that's yeah. going on now is there's so many parents that are sending their children across the border. It's just so heartbreaking. It's so sad. Well, and I think that that's probably the like as as complicated and as messy as it gets when you actually start talking about honestly about the facts. Um, I think that's probably the only real way to talk about this fairly is to avoid the oversimplifications, right? So one oversimplification is, man, we got to like kick everybody, like everybody out, everybody, you know, put up a, you know, 80 foot border wall and shoot anybody dead that tries to come across man, woman, child, it doesn't matter. You know, that, that's an oversimplification because I guarantee you, if you knew the stories and you knew the humanity, you you would probably think about it a little less black and white. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? From that side of it. Well, I think I think the Republican side of it, too, is like, you know, and for those who are listening who are outside of the United States of America, Republicans traditionally are like very 
strict on immigration. Like let's build a wall. Let's, let's limit, greatly limit the amount of immigrants that come across. I, I just want to build a wall from America to Canada to keep the Canadians. Out. <laughs> yeah. So we don't need their hockey, get your hockey out of here. So, but I think the Republican thing is, is like, you know, we have entitlement programs and we have culture and we have schooling and all this, all these things that we have to protect. And these people coming in, are going to, they're basically like, it's too many people stepping onto a lifeboat and it's going to make it sink is the Republican kind of, right. you know, view of the whole immigration issue. Right. And, you know, in many of those entitlement programs, I don't think should even, should even be there really. I mean, sure. it's kind of already, we're kind of hemorrhaging economically with a lot of these entitlement programs. But whereas the Democrat, Democratic issue of looking at it would be, um, uh, I can't, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush here, but, you know, like, let's get a lot of people in here and let's give them a voter registration card so that they will vote for our party. Right. Is kind of what, you know, the accusation that some of them give, but well, and, and also it's, it's too like trying to play to the compassionate side of it, right. To say the only reason why you would want immigration laws would be if you're xenophobic or you're racist, like mm-hmm. you feel threatened by people of a different nationality or race. And so that's the only reason why you would want, to support having tougher immigration laws. And, yeah. and I, and like we said, you know, earlier, I think maybe there are some people who the reason they're tough on immigration is because beneath that there, there might be some racist tendencies, but that's not, that's mm-hmm. by and large, not what people are saying when they say, Hey, we think that there should be secure borders. Um, and to say that is just an, a gross oversimplification. Mm-hmm. And it's really just like a straw man argument, right? Where you're presenting the other side's, uh, the other side's position unfairly, and then you're taking shots at that other side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, really at the core of the issue is just sin, the sinful heart of man, and th- these people, and that, and that creating injustice in these in, in places where these people are living. So that injustice creates economic disparity, and that economic disparity creates crime and drug addiction and all kinds of things. And so they're trying to get to a place where there is a sense of justice. And right. people are running towards justice. The problem is, um, you know, when they get here, how, how, number one, how do we as believers and citizens, first and foremost of the kingdom of God, look at these people and treat these people and show compassion and mercy on these people? And then number two, how does the American government um, deal with it? Because when you have Right, right now, I think there's upwards of 5,000 or more children right now in, in HHS, HHS facilities in the United States of America. Mm. And they're like, we have no idea what to do with these children. Um, and it is, yeah, it is so convoluted and complicated as to what to do. Yeah. But I think we have to, like I said, remember that we are, we should be looking at this issue completely as, as possible, as much as possible, completely apolitically and looking at it like that these people are made in the image of God. I don't know. I don't know how they got here. I don't, you know, I don't care how long they're going to be here. We should show compassion on them. We should show mercy on them. And yeah. And I think that I was having a conversation with my buddy Wesley over Mexican food last Wednesday. And we were talking about Romans 13 and how there is a difference in that passage between the responsibilities of the state and the responsibilities of us as individuals. Right. So Romans 13 basically tells us that um, 
you know, law enforcement, military, those who God has put in positions of power. Let's see if I can look it up. Um, those have been put there by God as agents of justice. But then elsewhere in Romans that we're told not to avenge from like a personal level. And so it almost seems like there's two separate categories the Bible speaks of. All right, here we go. I got Romans 13 put up. Um, let's see. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. And then it talks about how those who bear the sword don't bear the sword in vain. They're a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And the authorities are ministers of God. <laughs> but then it talks about do not repay evil for evil. So there's this like category that we understand of like there is the, the state, there is governments that God uses to enforce laws. And then there's us as individuals. Yeah. And our individual response is not the same as the state response. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in one in one sense, it's not hypocrisy to say, I support immigration laws, but at the same time, I'm going to show kindness and mercy and compassion towards someone who's an immigrant. Right. And I think that's what that's the bill of gold bill of goods that the media is trying to sell us is that you cannot you cannot be in favor of um, limiting immigration and show compassion at the same time. Whereas I guess the side, and it's like I said, it's the side I'm, I'm finally kind of gaining a little bit of clarity, even as we're talking about it here on this podcast is like, we need to have, we need to have borders and we need to let people into these borders um, based on a set of criteria, which we're already doing. We need to discourage people from coming illegally because ultimately that's tying up resources that could be going through, you know, legit applications of people trying to come here legally and, you know, go about the right ways. And, but at the, at the same time, all of that going on simultaneously, we should be like, okay, you're here, you're here illegally. All right. Before you get shipped out or before you go somewhere, wherever you're going next, let me love you and show the mercy of God to you. Does that make right. sense? I, I think so. I think where that becomes kind of tricky is like, okay, so say that you meet somebody that you work with and you know, they're illegal. All right. So mm -hmm. do you call up ice, right? Do you call up the mm -hmm. <laughs> immigration <laughs> authorities and report them? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So they get deported. I mean, what, or do you just, you don't, you don't say anything. And so for years they, they live here illegally and you know, they're illegal. They know they're illegal. They know that you know that they're illegal and they know that you're a Bible believing Christian and you're not mm -hmm. going to say anything like mm -hmm. at what point is it, you know, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, and that's, and I, and I, I really honestly don't know that. I mean, there's I a part either. of me that just, if it was me talking without other people listening, I would probably just say, I would leave that in the hands of the Lord. I wouldn't be the one to report them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's just me, but then yeah. I would encourage them to do the right thing and to, you know, clear those things up. I mean, there's a lot of laws, I think mm -hmm. in the U S at least that are trying to get, people that have been here for a while legal without completely deporting them and ripping them away from their families. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know, man, these are, these are frustrating laws and, and there's so much red tape and you know, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. But I think, I think so like a three prong approach would be 
There's people here illegally. We should show them mercy and compassion. There's, there's a line that says, hey, if you want to come across this line, here are some steps you need to take to get across this line, and we'll help you with this process as, as make it as efficient as possible. And then the third prong would be, let's export justice yeah. to places of injustice. Right. And unfortunately, I think in the United States of America, this issue has become such a political game that that is being played um and christians are are siding with one political party or another and pitting americans against each other over this issue where one side of the political aisle is saying oh you're being racist and xenophobic and and uh, incompassionate to these people and the other side is saying no we want law you know we want rule of law um we want to protect what's ours and you know this is our this is our lifeboat um, and I just, I don't think either one is completely wrong. I don't think either one is completely right. Does that yeah, make sense? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, <clears throat> and I, I think, and you and I kind of shared a, a laugh about this, but at the same time kind of con- <laughs> concerned about this because, um, I made the note in our show notes that I think it is blatant hypocrisy when a Christian preaches that someone has to follow the laws of the land when it comes to things like immigration. Like if you're going to come over here, you got to do so legally. Mm-hmm. And then they also say like, Hey, I, I stand with the blue. I back the blue police lives matter. So don't break the law. And so like, it's all about law, 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 law. Yes. And amen to that. But then mm-hmm. turn around and claim that they're justified in breaking the law when it comes to wearing a mask during COVID. Yeah. I get a little bit, um, chafed by that. Just to say it lightly. Because to me, it's kind of like, as long as this law lines up with my Republican ideals, I'm going to use my Christianity to justify reasons why you should follow it. But the second that it doesn't line up with my Republican ideals, my Christianity goes out the window because at the end of the day, what I'm following is not Christ. What I'm following is my political party. Yeah. And <laughs> I like how you I, sighed I, really I, deeply before answering that. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you know, I, I I mentioned it earlier this morning. I I just struggle, and I it's it's a rebellious spirit in me with the mask thing, but it's also you don't I like see, that law. You don't see. You don't think there's a need I, for it. I I well, not not that so much as I just. It's an overreaching of the government. Yeah, and I I guess I like okay. study, studying through history. I see. Um, when when the collective has to take precautions for a few and the and the government's going to impose that i i just don't see that ending well and i mm-hmm. so i've i've really struggled with the mask thing and i'm just being completely honest and transparent yeah, with everybody no, you're like fine. i'm i'm judging you I, right now i fine. know i i know <laughs> that i i know that according to romans 13 i probably don't have a lot of um ground to stand on to, to, to not do the mask thing. And I struggle with that. And it's rare that I actually go to and put myself in a position where I, I should be putting on a mask, but it doesn't help. I think too, that a lot of Southern Alabamians are just kind of like, nah, just ignore it. You know, like we're just kind of right, like, we're right, right, shopping right, right. at the Piggly Wiggly. We just need to get some <clears throat> half brown real quick. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough. And <sighs> well, okay. So here's what I appreciate about that, Gabe. You're being intellectually honest with yourself. Mm-hmm, 
I think if someone is intellectually honest and says, you know what, biblically speaking, I don't have a leg to stand on mm-hmm. to say that I'm not going to follow the law because I think it's a dumb law. You can nowhere, not in the Old Testament, New Testament, Gospels, Epistles, history books, law, prophets, you can nowhere justify that through understanding the Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So using your faith to say to someone, you have to follow the law, and if you don't follow the law, then I'm going to use my faith to beat you over the head and say that you're breaking the commands of God because you're not following the mm-hmm. law. But I'm going to break the law because I think it's a dumb law. Yeah. And I'm justified because of liberty in the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, It, it is a, um, that to me is like such a wimpy, illogical way of justifying one's own selfishness. And if you're going to say that, I think you should just leave the Bible out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just approach it from a secular perspective, not from a well. The reason I'm, you know, pro tough immigration is because of the Bible. No, the reason you're pro tough immigration is because you've got thoughts on how the country should be run. If you involve the Bible in it, then you've got to come about. You're probably not going to get a nice, convenient Republican ideology if you involve the Bible, and you're probably not going to mm-hmm. get a nice, convenient. Democrat ideology if you involve the Bible. You're probably going to get a nuanced mm-hmm. smattering of both that to some people is going to sniff like a progressive and some people they're going to sniff it out like you're a conservative. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be com- something completely different called the biblical worldview. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I think through human history that has been the case with the followers of Christ is that we've been hard to pin down and peg into one box, basically. And that should right. be the case because we are citizens I'm sorry, we are sojourners in this, on this earth. And just like we, we opened it with, you know, like sojourners, they travel around, they haven't fully embraced the national identity of the place where they're inhabiting. They're kind of in a place of like upheaval, right? And they're kind of trying to figure out where they fit in. And I think that that's, that's our identity right now on this side of the kingdom is if, in other words, I think if you're, if you're a believer and someone can pin you against the wall with the label Republican or Democrat or you name it. And they can say hundred percent, this person's died in the wool, red blooded American Republican. I, I think that there's something, something, a key component missing in your faith. Hmm. In other words, I think that people sh- from the outside should look, look at you and say, I can't quite peg that guy, but there's something, something wonderful about being around that person. Right. They they have they have an, a sense of hope about them. They have a sense of assurance and who they are. But I can't right. quite peg them. Like I don't know where they're at completely on issues, and they don't f- quite fit in. I think that that's that's kind of what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. Um. I I think I think we as Americans, especially, but probably in other places as well, we have become so self righteous with our own political viewpoints. So self-righteous to the point of dehumanizing and demonizing the people on the other side of us. So to the point where we genuinely believe that our side of any issue is the righteous side and the other side is the wicked side. And that human history is about good guys versus bad guys. And we conveniently happen to be on the side of the good guys all the time because of how we vote. 
And I would just suggest that that is the most delusional way of looking at human nature because human history is not good people versus bad people. It's like all bad people. And then there's good God. (laughs) Right. And so in the now and the space between we are broken, flawed people who have the commands of God written on our hearts. We have the law of God written in his word. And we have nations that are imperfect, that are flawed, that are inconsistent in how we execute those laws. But we have broken, flawed people that are doing, I think, what most of them feel. I say most of them, not all of them. But what most of them feel is the right thing in campaigning for laws and campaigning for policies that support what they think is right. Yeah. Do you think that's true? I think some people would disagree mm-hmm. and be like, no, there's a group of people that just want to destroy this nation. Um, I always think that's <laughs> funny because that's always, when somebody says that, that always tells me that they think it's the people on the other side that are wanting to do that. But mm-hmm. it, it, well, it goes both ways. Something <clears throat> that helped give me a lot of clarity a number of years back, I thought of this kind of analogy is like our churches and our congregations should be, one way we can view them is an embassy for the kingdom of God. Yes. And what do you do when you're in Saudi Arabia and you want to go to the American embassy? Um, you know, you go you go in there and it is like you get a taste of the culture of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, the offices, they may have like a, a football game on the TV and, and for lunch, they may, yeah, they may yeah. maybe eating, you know, cheeseburgers or whatever. You're going to see American flags. We're going to see symbolism of the United States of America, even though you're thousands of miles away. And the the people in the embassy in Saudi Arabia they don't fight over the laws of Saudi Arabia. The Americans working at the embassy in Saudi Arabia and the U.S. embassy in Saudi Arabia, they don't get themselves into a tizzy emotionally over the laws going on in Saudi Arabia. They may keep an eye on them. They may watch them. They may look for civil unrest. They may do these kinds of things, but they're not going to start fighting amongst each other over laws of Saudi Arabia. Right. And I think if you look at our churches that way, we are embassies. We should, when people come in, they should experience a foretaste of the coming kingdom. Mm-hmm. And they don't see us bickering and fighting over the laws of the land in which our churches just so happen to be planted in. So yeah, like you said, you know, we've got God's law written on our hearts. And it's like, it's, it's interesting because he put the constitution of his kingdom on our hearts and then picked us up and dropped us in this, in this completely different nation. And right. He's like, here, I want you to be an embassy of my kingdom. I want you to be a right. beacon of my kingdom. And then, you know, how foolish of us to be like, Oh, well, I'm going to go sign up for this political party and I'm going to get all hung up over their, all their issues. I'm going to buy their whole bill of goods, you know, and, and then I'm going to divide with other Christians who see it differently. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. I don't think that means Christians have to be apolitical though. Right. Right. Yeah, and, definitely and I think, not. I think some people listen to this might, you know, hold up yeah. a hand in objection and say, well, you're saying we're not supposed to vote. No, you can vote. You can be engaged. You can, if you feel like, you know, signing up for a political party. Sure. But Mm -hmm. I think what I hear you saying, Gabe, is our first allegiance and our primary identity Mm -hmm. is to a king and a kingdom. Right. And if we belong to the king and the kingdom first, when we see an immigrant, we're not going to see them as first and foremost, a Mexican invading my land. First and foremost, we're going to see them as a human being made in the image and likeness of God. Have they broken a law? Maybe. 
But does that make them any less human? Does that mean I get to treat them like an animal? <laughs> Absolutely not, right? Hmm. And I think that even in just saying that, there's going to be people that bristle and saying, well, you're, you're being, you sound like a liberal or other people, oh, you sound like a conservative. I don't think you can study any of what the Bible says about immigration and, again, come away from that with a nice, tidy, neat little box that fits either one of those labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the embassy analogy is not completely perfect because, yeah, I think people, if given the opportunity, should be engaged in the political sphere in the nation in which they've been dropped. Because, like you said, we're trying to export justice mm-hmm. and we're trying to teach justice from our embassies and let people take that and, and learn what justice looks like and how to apply it. Um, yeah, I think I think be involved in politics. Um, yep. Pray for politicians, pray for our leaders. Um, don't check out of that as easy as it seems sometimes. I think it's important that we stay involved in that, especially at a local level. But yeah, I think, I think it's, it is like we said, a, a very, very complex issue and made all the more complex by the fact that we identify as sojourners on this earth. Yeah. So question. So if we feel like the immigration laws of our country violate God's laws. So God's command for us, as evidenced by the scripture that we just read, to be humane, kind, and show compassion towards the immigrant. If we feel like following the immigration laws of our country violate that, are we justified in breaking the laws of our country? Hmm. <laughs> I just think <laughs> the hardest so question good. of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that, so I went ahead and asked you that. Oh man, I guess it just, I guess it just depends. I think we have to remember too that we're not living in the land of Israel, you know, in twenty five hundred years ago, three thousand years ago, um, and there are some things like you know, gosh, there are some things that are very applicable. There's some things that are not applicable. Yeah. Uh, so we have to take it all kind of in context as well. But yeah, I mean, I think of yeah. uh, Corey Tin Boone. You remember this mm-hmm. story? Yeah. Oh yeah. And her and her family hid. Uh, Jews, and they were in Holland, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yep. so there were laws about Jews. Jews were obviously being, this was during World War II, and Jews, the, the law of the land was that anyone that was Jewish had to report to a center, and they'd put them on a train, and they would cart them away, right? They would deport them, basically, mm-hmm. to a death camp. And so what did the Ten Booms do? Well, they built a secret room in their house, and they hid their Jewish friends and neighbors from this oppressive government. So were they justified? <laughs> of course, I mean, they were, they were Bible believing Christians. They love the Lord. Were they justified in violating the commands and the laws of their country when it came to immigration? I would say yeah. yes. Yeah, I would. yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest difference obviously is that they were facing a certain death, whereas the people coming to the United States of America illegally are not that right. we know of. Right. Um, they're just maybe looking for more economic prosperity, um, as far as we know, um, and that they're not facing a certain death. And, you know, so in other words, if like ICE officials were like, hey, we're going to deport you and we know that you're going to go back and you're going to like be martyred for leaving the country. Like, for instance, North Korea, if you leave North Korea and go sure, to South Korea, sure, sure, sure. you know, if for someone to deport that person from South Korea back to North to Korea, North Korea, that would be, I, I believe, unjust and immoral because they're they're facing certain life imprisonment if not execution right 
So in one sense, it is almost like the uh, every situation is different. And should it ever get to that point where it is someone facing imminent death, then we would be justified in violating laws that yeah. would lead to somebody's destruction and death. Yeah, and I, I think we, if I'm not mistaken, I think in the, the 80s or 90s, we offered something similar to, to people coming from Cuba. Like, basically, if you can make it to yeah, amnesty mainland, mm-hmm. yeah, if you can make it to mainland USA, and I remember walking down the beach as a child, actually, in the early 90s um, in, in Florida, in the Daytona Beach area, and me and my mom were walking down the beach, and there was a raft washed up on the shore, and it had um, the names of everyone that were, that were on that raft. From oh, that wow. floated in from Cuba, and there it was, just sitting on the beach, and this like rickety old raft. And I remember wow. thinking, "Wow, like twelve people floated on this little tiny thing across all the way to Florida, um, you know, ninety miles, actually way more than that, because they came all the way up to the Tona Beach area." Um, it's just amazing that they that they survived all that way and had that much drive and desire to get here. Um, yeah, I think. I think everything is case by case. I think if they're coming from sure. a place, if, if it's a, if it's a matter of saving lives and here's the thing too, is like the really um, depressing part is that when the Holocaust was happening, if you look at statistically how many Jews we were letting in uh, into the United States of America during the Holocaust, even though we knew fi- like full well what was going on in the Holocaust um, there's, there's tons of newspaper uh, um, stories written about what was going on in the Holocaust. P- many people will say, oh, we didn't know till we actually got there. That wasn't the case. Um, we knew full well what was going on. But if you look at the number of Jews we were letting into our nation, every year as the Holocaust ramps up, we're letting in fewer and fewer Jews. We're, we're actually um, decreasing the quotas on allowing people from Eastern Europe into, into the United States of America. Wow. Um, we were actually shutting the doors on people fleeing the Holocaust, which is so sad to think about yeah that that man that's tragic and i and i definitely like i look at that and i'm like man that's that's inexcusable that was wrong Mm -hmm. but at the same time i can't put myself in the shoes of the policy makers at that time and i'm trying to be careful how i say this because i don't want anybody to think that i'm somehow supporting us not taking refugees yeah like rationalizing yeah but at the same time i mean if you think about like uh you know trying to make sure there were no spies from germany or that part you know what i'm saying like i wonder if at that time there was this rationalization of just like man we got to be so careful that we're trying to defeat this enemy that's over there you know yeah um you know, we're trying to defeat the Third Reich. And so to defeat the Third Reich, we need to make sure that we've got secure, secure borders so they're not coming in from the inside out. So, uh, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, that's I, I would like yeah. to say on this side of history, it is so clear cut and dry. Wow, we should have done that. But at yeah. the same time, I wasn't the one who had to sit in those, you know, Senate oh. hearings or whatever it was to make those decisions. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. That would be, yeah, those would be it, some tough decisions. And in the same sense, right now, over the past few years, it's been, you know, Syrian refugees. What do we do with Syrian refugees? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the longest running war that has been going on for the past 10 years has been in Syria, where you have, I mean, thousands of hundreds of thousands of families, men, women, children, who have been displaced from these massive metro centers. Mm -hmm. And they're just looking for a place to go to be safe where they're not worried about getting bombed every single night 
And there's a lot of countries that have said, no, we're not going to let you in our nation because ISIS is in Syria and ISIS has carried out terrorist attacks in places like France and places like the U.S. and places places like the UK. So we're not going to let you come into our borders because you might be ISIS. <laughs> mm, yeah. And they might not be ISIS. So it's kind of like, okay, so who, who gets to be the one that makes that decision? Right. And, and then what lens, what lens do you use to make that decision? Do you use the lens of, Hey, we're going to just give you the benefit of the doubt and show compassion. We're going to let this family in, or you know what? We're, we're going to protect the people in our nation first because you could be ISIS and you could come over here with the intention of starting a big terrorist plot and killing thousands of people. Mm. Right. And so like, I can, I can see yeah. how someone that has to make those tough decisions, they put that situation in front of them. And which side do you err? Do you err the side of wisdom and precaution or do you err the side of mercy and grace? Yeah, I just don't know. I, I know that, you know, security of any organization is is a priority, if not the number one priority, because um, an organization and, and, you know, a nation cannot function if it's not secure, if it's not safe, if it's not peaceful. So I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so thankful that I'm not in those positions where yeah. make those kinds of calls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh. it's so easy for us to play Monday morning quarterback, isn't it? For us to be. It like, is. Yeah. Which is one of the things I thought was so interesting when all this COVID stuff happened about a year ago. And those of us who are responsible for making decisions, we're just really struggling. And then you had people hopping online and going, well, a bunch of idiots just mm-hmm. do it this way. And it's kind of like, well, you don't have to make those decisions. So that's really easy for you to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we don't have to make tough decisions like that, it's super easy for us to sit back, you know, picking our nose and pointing the other finger at the TV screen and saying, you should do it this way, you dummy. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about the immigration thing. It's like, I don't know that I am, I'm able to offer an assessment or an opinion or we should be doing this. I don't know a single illegal alien. I don't know a border agent. I don't know, you know, I don't know what the statistics are on how many are coming. There's no way to even know how many are coming over because not all of them are caught. So it's like, right. They're not documented. Yeah. I think, I think to come in and come into this issue and say, you know, hey, I'm siding with the with the Republicans on this issue. I think that's that's really tough. I, or to say I'm siding with Democrats on this issue, uh, I, I think I think we have to approach it really cautiously and, and prayerfully and say, I don't know all the details about this, but if they're a human being, I'm going to show them compassion. If they're here, I'm going to show them compassion. I'm going to encourage them to be a lawful sojourner here, um, and you know, do what the authorities say. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to share the gospel with you, and I, that's kind of all I can do at this point. Right. I feel kind of I feel kind of like powerless in that. But well, so I mean, I think it's very clear from the scripture that there is no room for hatred in our hearts mm-hmm. towards anyone, but especially towards illegal immigrants who come over. Most of the time, I mean, just being honest, most of the time they're they're here looking for work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they are willing to do jobs that American citizens aren't willing to do, <laughs> which is funny to me and a little ironic that some of the ones that talk the loudest about how illegal immigration needs to go away are the ones that aren't willing to do the jobs that only illegal immigrants are willing to do, but that's a whole other mm-hmm. issue. Or they come <laughs> looking for just safety for them and their families. They come looking for just a better life. So 
us looking at them and dehumanizing them and having hatred towards them for just wanting a better life. I mean, good Lord, mm-hmm. where have we, like, <laughs> what have we come to if we can't see the humanity in that? Right. Yeah. And about the closest thing I can get to is like, you know, one of my good friends, his dad was an illegal immigrant who was granted amnesty by, by Reagan. And, you know, he, he had a, a great successful career in the, in the army. Um, and has a wonderful family, is a strong believer, and it's like, um, you know, that was a major success story. But he, his father was here illegally, mm. um, and that's that's the closest thing I get to to like kind of seeing a, wor- a you know into that world, right? Um, yeah, but I think I think we do if if we ever settle to and, and get to the point where we're not conflicted over this issue, I think we're doing something wrong, right? I think we should always be analyzing and, and praying and, and we should be conflicted over this issue internally with uh, like ourselves, like right. as individuals, we should be, our, our hearts should be broken over this issue. Sure. Number one, because there's, because there's so many people flooding and uh, flooding over the border that tells me there's a great injustice somewhere, somewhere in the world, mm-hmm. um, a great economic disparity and poverty somewhere in the world. And that breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, that, I mean that in and of itself, I should, you should be conflicted over that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, Christian compassion is acknowledging humanity and people. Um, Christian wisdom is also understanding this is a complex issue. And so there's not like a one size fits all easy answer for this, regardless of what anybody says. Um, That's just, I, you know, I would say that's Christian wisdom, but I'd also say that's just wisdom period. Um, But I think you're right. I think if, if we ever lose our, um, willingness to like kind of be angsty over this and kind of like, I don't, I don't really know kind of where, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to love and show mercy and compassion, but also supposed to obey the law. I, I, I think if we ever kind of are willing just to cut the tension out of it. We're not really looking at it honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not looking at it biblically. No. Yeah. So in one sense, I don't think we answered anybody's question with this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I would hope that with this podcast, we affirmed people who are in a sense of turmoil um, over this issue and say, that's okay. I think you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I think think Christ calls us to be in turmoil over this issue. Yeah. Um, And you don't have to wholesale side with, one political party or another with, right. over this issue. Right. Um, and I think I want to encourage people who are listening to this podcast, pray for opportunities to be and show mercy to the sojourners amongst us. Yeah. While they're here. Um, what a, what an amazing opportunity to find. I mean, it's rare in the United States of America to find someone who's hungry and desperate. Right. And here you have people coming across the border who are hungry and desperate. Mm-hmm. And such an amazing opportunity. And, and I, I, I should be praying for opportunities to fill those needs. And you know, the crazy, awesome part about America is you don't have to look far to find communities of sojourners or immigrants. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, regardless of their, you know, there's a lot of people who are here legally, but they are sojourners, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Even in the Nashville area where I'm at, there's huge Thai communities and Cambodian communities and um, Egyptian communities Mm. and 
And so like, what's really cool is there's ministry opportunities for people to share Jesus, almost to be a missionary mm-hmm. here. And, and there's ways to do it. Like um, I've struck up relationships with uh, folks that, you know, work at certain restaurants that we go visit and they're, you know, they're from Egypt or they're from um, South Korea. Or they're from all these other different places. They're from Thailand. And so it's been really cool just to see those friendships get struck up. And they asked me what I do. And I was like, well, I'm a pastor. And they're like, a pastor? I've never been to a church before. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up Buddhist. And so it's cool is if you see kindness and compassion and Christ-like love is that first thing that you're showing them before the fact that you're American or you have this political persuasion or anything else, just kindness, compassion, and Christ then it opens the door up for some really cool things. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, cool. So, any questions on this? Need to go to your email, not mine. <laughs> yeah, you, you see the only answers. I so. have to remember my my Juno account email address. <laughs> I don't remember what it is. I can't believe we made it through this episode because we literally had to start and stop like three times. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. If we should do like a behind the scenes of beards and Bible to show for, how for, complicated this has been just to record. Well, for our regular is listeners, you know, my, my internet has not been the same ever since uh, my middle son chopped our internet line with the axe. That's still just coming <laughs> back to haunt us over and over. <laughs> so we recorded the first half of this early in the morning and then Gabe's internet crapped out. And then we recorded it in the afternoon. Gabe's at his work. I'm in my office at the church. And then I had somebody walk in 10 minutes in and then we tried it again for the third time. And then we've been mm. able to get through it. But there's been it. random intercom beepings from Gabe's. Mm-hmm classroom but we yep. finished we got through yeah. it yeah we, we solved all the world's problems absolutely if only they'd listen to us so all right man well cool well thanks for thanks for the chat and uh happy resurrection weekend to you yeah likewise likewise thank you guys for listening Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.